Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. And joining us today is an award-winning journalist, a longtime Detroiter, involved in many charitable events, and he took a run at City Council. Thanks for joining us here, ML Elric. How are you? It's great to be with you, Vanessa. So you have a long-standing history in, uh, in Detroit as a journalist. You've been involved in a lot of charity events. What enticed you to want to get involved in the community? You've done so much over the years with Clark uh, Park and, and, and a hockey, charity hockey game. What enticed you to get involved in that? Sure. Well, ever since I was a kid, I've been very involved in volunteering. My mom got me involved when I was a little kid doing the, the March of Dimes walk, where if folks remember that, you used to get people to sponsor you and you'd walk all over the city. And depending on how many miles you uh, you marched, you raised uh, money for uh, for children. And so from an early age, I've been very community oriented. When I moved back to Detroit in 1999, I had, had uh, a small child and another baby on the way. And as soon as they were old enough to play sports, I was coaching and volunteering at Baldock Park here on the east side with Eagle Sports, which is a wonderful faith-based sports and uh, and mentoring, tutoring program. Uh, I've been a school commissioner, coached all kinds of sports all over the place for kids. And as uh, as a reporter, I've always considered myself someone who's doing a public service. In that case, I'm doing it as a reporter working for a business. But I've also looked for opportunities in my own time to make a difference throughout the city and throughout the region in any way I can. And the way that I've been doing that probably the most consistently now that my kids are, are grown up is to, to, uh, to put on a charity hockey game at Clark Park in Southwest Detroit, where we raise money to support uh, programming at a nonprofit recreation center that really helps kids uh, get a, a good start in life and have some, some positive influences on who they are and who they're going to be. So tell us about how people can get involved in the fundraiser that's going on right now. Sure. So we have a, a women's game and a men's game, which just happened on Saturday night. Um, but uh, I will tell you the fundraiser for us continues until January 31st. Folks who would like to go to patronicity.com, that's patronicity.com backslash Clark Park, or you do search for Clark Park, there's an opportunity to make a donation from any amount, from as little as 5 or $10 to as much as 10000 or you name it. But all the money goes to Clark Park to support the, uh, the Independent Recreation Center and the programming for kids, which ranges from lunches in the summer to arts and crafts to homework assistance uh, to sports programs. So and, and uh, yesterday's event until the hockey games, give us kind of a background of what that event that uh, that happened yesterday. What does that typically entail? Sure. So when I was at Fox 2, um, I wanted to get involved with, uh, get the station involved with a charitable endeavor. And at the time, Clark Park had, uh, had just started a winter carnival with petting zoo, face painting, all kinds of great things for kids and families to come out and see this wonderful park for free and enjoy uh, the winter. And um, after talking to the, the good people at Clark Park, Anthony Benavides and uh, Catherine Brennan, um, I suggest that we do a charity hockey game because Clark Park has one of the most 
amazing outdoor hockey rinks. It's, it's pretty much NHL quality ice. It's a great place to play. It's a beautiful setting. And my idea was we're going to charge everybody who skates 200 bucks to play. And that way we'd raise, I don't know, at least $5,000 for the park. And along the way, we picked up sponsorships. Uh, we had people make donations. And now we're at a point where the carnival and the hockey games raise anywhere between thirty dollars and $50,000 each year for the park. And through our partnership with Fox 2, we've also raised a lot of visibility and awareness of the wonderful things happening right there at Clark Park. Wow, that's awesome. And, and um, you give kids an opportunity to have a rec center that they may not have normally have had in the, in the neighborhood. Absolutely. Back in 1991, the city was going to close the rec center. This was a city rec center. It's a beautiful building. It's been around, geez, almost a hundred years. And what happened was when the city said, we can't afford to keep this recreation center open, the community said, we can't afford to let it close and created a nonprofit that's been running the rec center for 30 years now. It's, it's an amazing success story and really shows how Detroiters are the ones who are going to save Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, and government's a good thing and it can help us out, but really it's people. Yeah, exactly. And you know that firsthand as as not only being a Detroit reporter, but a longtime Detroiter who's been very involved in your community. Absolutely. I'm, I'm on the Neighborhood Association board. I'm the street rep here trying to make sure that things on Auto Drive, you know, are are uh, are maintained and, and that people take care of their, their property and that if there's a lawn that needs to get cut, well, sometimes I'll be the one pushing the lawnmower. But but any community is only as good as the residents. And we have some wonderful people in Detroit. We have some challenges too, but the number of people who are working to make Detroit better far outnumbers the number of people who are causing problems. There's just no question about that. And what are, what do you think? I mean, you took a run for city council. You obviously are very passionate about the city and you know what are the needs are. What are the top issues that you think need to be addressed in 2022 for the city of Detroit? Well, my campaign had three pillars, opportunity, safety, and accountability. Opportunity meant opportunities for people to raise their family in a clean city. Uh, Opportunities for businesses to open, to give us places where we could work, shop, dine, play. And, uh, and do it all within walking distance of our homes. Safety was about trying to get more and better police to try and make sure that our, our emergency services, fire and EMS, had the equipment they need to serve citizens in a, in a, a prompt manner. Um, and so that, you know, we could basically do anything you can do in Detroit that you can do in the suburbs without worrying about whether the police are going to come when you call. And then accountability was what I think people know me best for, which is making sure that there are people in city hall or in city government who are doing things they shouldn't do, that the public's going to know about them, and somebody's going to try and do something to stop it. Now, I exposed a lot of crooks when I was a reporter, but other than telling people the truth, there wasn't much more I could do. As As a city council member, I hope to be someone who could actually get the city to take action. And while I proposed some ethics reforms, and some pretty significant ways to make sure that we know more about what our public officials are doing, make sure that they're doing the right things. Um, Voters decided to go in a different direction. And uh, while I'm disappointed, uh, this is a democracy and we have to, we have to respect people's decision. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> um, ML, you talk about exposing a lot of corruption, and you're you're really known for uh, for the Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalism for this story that you exposed in City of Detroit uh, and what was going on in the mayor's office. But you know, when you look back at your career, and you're obviously still very much in 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 the media, in a lot of ways, you have a podcast and still very involved. What are you most proud of in the work that you've done? Boy, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to say, you know, just as a, as a, as a Detroiter, I'm really proud of all the kids that I uh, had an opportunity to coach and the families I got to know through sports and through, through my kids school and being a school commissioner. But I, I think, I think the thing that, that I'm most proud of as a reporter is that, um, is that public officials, when I was a reporter, had to look over their shoulders because they knew someone was paying attention and there was a vacancy on city council. And I had done some investigating of the candidates uh, to fill that vacancy. And one of the council members called me and said, Hey man, you're making it really hard for us to get somebody on city council because people who apply know that you're going to take a close look at them. And I said, you've got this backwards. The problem isn't that you can't get enough candidates to apply for city council. The problem is you got people who have done bad, who think that they can sneak in and get a job on city council, maybe keep doing the sort of foolishness they were doing before they wanted to be paid with our public tax dollars. So, so the fact that there was a sense that there would be accountability, that if you cross the line, there was a chance you could get caught and that someone would tell the world what you did instead of share your dirty little secret. And I just don't think we have enough of that going on in Detroit right now. No, we don't. We, you know, we don't have the investigative reporting ML uh, that we saw during your time that you won the Pulitzer uh, with Schaefer and that story. We don't see that anymore, but yet it's so needed. I mean, the 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 reporters, the investigative reporters such as yourself, are the ones that kept elected officials accountable. Well, the shame of it is that we really should be able to trust our elected officials to let people know when something's going wrong. Instead, what we're finding through the latest investigation of public corruption, former Councilman Andre Spivey, who I thought I would be running against, uh, he decided not to run again. And now I think we know why, because uh, he was taking bribes that, that he, I guess, considered to be loans. But when someone approached him to make a payment, instead of saying, hey, this is wrong, let me tell the authorities, he said in, in, in federal court that what he did was he introduced these uh, folks to other council members. So <laughs> that's just, that's outrageous. And the fact yeah. that 20 years of public corruption running rampant in Detroit City Hall, that our elected officials still don't seem to get it. If I'd been elected to city council, I think the public would have known and could have trusted there's at least one person on that city council who is going to cry foul if somebody tries to do something dirty. Yeah. Holding other people accountable uh, accountable for their work. We're talking with ML Elric, an award-winning journalist, both in print and broadcast journalism. You know, ML, when you first started out your career as a young journalist, did you think of yourself as going into investigative reporting at that time? And, and what really led you into investigative reporting? Absolutely. I, I consider every good reporter an investigative reporter because it's all about asking questions and trying to get answers. And every place I've ever worked, including 
Dunbarton, New Hampshire, a town of 1,200 people, barely a spot on the map. I was scrutinizing government. I, I did a story on how the chairman of the board of selectmen, which is kind of their city council, was uh, helping steer heating oil contracts to his own company. Mm. And uh, they were not giving the city or the town, really, uh, the best price. Hmm. Um, to me, if you get into public service, you have to remember that it's public service. It's not self-service. And so wherever I've worked, I've looked out for that. I've tried to be someone who has made a commitment to making life better for other people. And uh, I'm a true believer that if we don't leave things better than we found them, I don't know what we're doing. You know, that's such a great point, ML, because uh, we seem to have lost that public service um, you know, focus in this country, a lot of uh, personal service going on. And it's really disheartening, especially when we've lost so many good investigative reporters who are holding people accountable. And it's unfortunate. Do you think, do you see things getting any better in terms of, you know, um, the media having more of a stronghold uh, and what's going on and having more investigative reporters? We seem to have lost a lot of that. Well, you know, it, it, People think news is free, and it's never been free. I mean, we used to get a dime for the newspaper, but what really paid for the newspaper was advertising, and that advertising has dried up because mm. as these these uh, these gargantuans, Facebook and and uh, and Google have have basically taken much of that business, um, and so newspapers and television stations have had to cut back, and radio had to cut back on the number of reporters out there. But one thing that I'm very proud of, particularly at the Detroit Free Press, is that they still have a significant investigative reporting team. Um, and they regularly turn out very high impact investigations. The problem is there are more bad guys than there are good guys. So you can't catch all the bad guys. But until people understand that they have to subscribe to the newspaper that they have to watch their local news and support them with their eyeballs, which drives ratings. This problem is going to get worse. Yeah. I mean, th th that's saying that the best things in life are free. Uh, that's true when it comes to love and friendship and family. Uh, it's not true when it comes to things that you hold in your hand, like a newspaper or remote control or a dial on your radio. Yeah. You've done both print and broadcast, television and radio over the years. Do you have a favorite, ML? So I love writing, and I've always wanted to write fiction, but I've never had a good enough idea to uh, sustain me through a whole story. And then I found that covering nonfiction, there's way crazier stuff going on than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> so I, I really, yeah. I really <laughs> enjoy writing a lot, but, but broadcast is a very powerful medium. And I, I really do like the way that whereas for a newspaper or website, you have to describe things for people. If you're doing broadcast, they can see and hear for themselves what you are seeing and hearing. And, and they can make their own judgment um, a little easier in that way. Now, it's really hard to get that sound and get those pictures that tell the story. But I, I appreciate that challenge. And I, and I really like that broadcast in some ways is more collaborative than, than print and the web is because while I can write anything by myself, 
Uh, I'm not a photographer. Uh, I'm not really good with technology. If I'm going to get the sound and pictures, I need to have a partner. I need to have a, I need to have someone who uh, is very talented in those regards and to work as part of a team, you know, I'm a coach. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a commission member. I'm a school board member. Uh, I'm someone who likes to work with other people. I like to find, uh, I like to find innovative solutions to difficult problems. And, um, and I really do enjoy that, um, in broadcast. But, uh, if you told me do or die, I got to pick one thing to do. Uh, I love writing. I, I, yeah. I really think it's a, it's a powerful way to communicate. And, um, and it's something that is, I find difficult. So when we get it right, it's very satisfying. Well, you could tell that you love it because you're very good at it. Uh, we're talking with ML Elric here this morning in It's Your Community. And you're also a fabulous collaborator, um, ML, in the work that you do. I've seen you do that both as a journalist and a candidate for city council. You, you, would, you realize that it takes a team. And I think that's where your coaching comes into play really strongly, is that you're a great collaborator. Would you like to see more collaboration on this in, in in public and private partnerships in turning terms of moving our city and our region forward. Absolutely. And when we talked about opportunity during the campaign, you know, I understood that as a public official, the need in the community was greater than government would be able to meet. So the only way to really tackle these things is to partner with people, you know, and, and my vision as a city councilman would be someone who could help uh, businesses and nonprofits and churches and foundations and, uh, and community groups and neighborhood groups navigate city hall and, and get the help they needed. But, but really if, if we're going to solve all of our problems, we all have to be involved and we all have different expertise. You know, I, I, um, like I said, I, I'm not a photographer. Uh, I, I can't be a very good TV reporter without a photographer as a community, um, uh, activist, you know, there's certain things I can't get done without government's help. I can't get abandoned cars towed off outer drive unless I can work with government. And at the same time, the city can't keep outer drive looking good unless it has neighbors looking out for people who are dumping people who are leaving, you know, abandoned cars and property out there. So, so really we do have to work together. And, and to me, you know, the way a team works best is when someone's particularly good at something, you let them do that. And then the other person who has a different talent is allowed to do that. And, uh, and that we bring those different pieces together yeah, to create an organization or a team where we use everybody's strengths and when we get the best result. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a really a sign of your leadership ability too. ML, what's next for you? Do you see yourself ever running for office again? What, what do you think is next for you? Uh, right now I'm working for food. And if anybody has, <laughs> if anybody has any pop bottles or cans that they're not going to return, let me know. I'll pick them up. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, my, my goal is to continue to try and make a positive impact in, uh, uh in the world around me. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to find some sort of leadership opportunity, running a team, being a part of an organization, but, uh, I'm 54 years old. I plan to work for another 10 or 15 years. And I want to use that time trying to make um, Detroit and our communities places that we can be proud of and places where we can live our lives and raise our families, uh, you know, in, in a way that, that we feel um, that we're in the best place in the world. And uh, I don't 
don't know who's going to give me that opportunity. I'm looking, um, but I hope it's out there because I think I have a lot to offer and, uh, and I'm never going to stop fighting to try and make things better. Yeah, you do have a lot to offer, and and, and uh, any organization would be um, be- would benefit greatly from having you on their team. And and ML, you know, we talked about being a journalist, and, and things have changed a lot since you and I were in journalism school. Uh, you know, it, it's evolved. It, it, today, you're getting multimedia degrees, opposed to I just got a print journalism degree. You know, when I went to school, today it's a multimedia degree. What advice do you have for a young journalist coming out of college today? So I, I would do. Uh, kind of what I did, which is follow your passion. I think it's easier to do things if you care. It's uh, it's easier to work for low pay and long hours if you really love what you're doing. And then hopefully you can get to a, a point where you're not working for, uh, for bare minimum. But find out what it is that you like to do and do it. And, and also keep an open mind. Um, you know, when I started at Michigan State in 1985, we had a typing lab. You know, now we have a motion capture studio. I mean, yeah. it's really evolved tremendously. But even back then, if somebody said, hey, you want to do a TV interview? I'm like, well, I'm a print guy, but I'll do a TV interview. You know, do you want to come on the radio? I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a newspaper guy, but I'll come on the radio. You know, when somebody said we got this Twitter thing, I'm like, that sounds stupid, but I'll, I'll tweet. Um, yeah. You know, just, just try and find new ways to connect with people because no matter what the medium is, it's the content, it's the message that's the most important. And so what you want to do is try and get the word out, try and inform people and engage them and hope that you can move them to get involved in making things better. Yeah. ML Alwork is who we're talking to today. That's such a great point, ML. And, and in terms of uh, journalism too, and broadcasting and using the medium, you've used podcasting, you know, uh, which is a really popular platform today. Tell us about your podcast. Sure. So I, I have a podcast called ML's Soul of Detroit. You can find it on pretty much any place that hosts podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google, you know, you name it, Apple. Um, we also do a live broadcast of the show at noon on Tuesdays, which you can find on YouTube at my channel, which is ML Elric. Sometimes you can find it on my Facebook page, which is m.l.elric. Um, but we talk about journalism. We talk about politics. We talk about current events. But instead of just talking about what's going on, we try and take people behind the scenes and use my access to newsmakers and my expertise to tell people how things are done. So what we're trying to do is demystify what's going on. And so in the past, I've talked about how do we do surveillance as TV reporters? You know, when you see us catch up with someone who doesn't want to talk to us, you know, how do you eventually find that person? You know, how do you stay in a car for 10 hours without having to go to the bathroom? You know, we talk about (laughs) things like that. You know, do you ever worry that you're looking at your newspaper so nobody will see you in the car and then they drive by and you miss them? Yeah, we worry about that all the time. So we, we talk about things like that because we think that one of the reasons why people don't trust the media and don't trust politics is because they don't understand it. And so what we want to do is say, this is how it works. Here's your questions answered. Here's what you always wondered. Now we're telling you, and then you can evaluate that for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an amazing career, I'll tell you. I, I really enjoyed the the ten years I was a full time reporter, and I've been in those situations where I've covered barricaded gunmen, and you you can't leave the area 
at all. So you're stuck in your car for hours as you're waiting for the police chief to update you on what's going on. Uh, so and it's, it's it, what's amazing too, ML, is that you get to meet people and cover stories you'd never think you'd ever get to meet and stories you'd never ever get to cover uh, as a reporter. So it's, it's a really cool career. Uh, and you've had an amazing one. Um, do you have a favorite story, favorite interview, favorite guest that you've had on over the years? Well, I, I would, I'd probably say the next one, because I'm always looking okay. forward to what's coming. I, I, I tend not to, to dwell too much in the past, but you know, I've been asked this question before and I, I keep thinking about it. And I think one of my favorite stories of all time, which is kind of a, I think most people is not the kind of story that you would associate with me. But when I covered the New Hampshire state house, there was a New Hampshire state representative, a beautiful uh, middle-aged woman who competed in the Mrs. America contest, but she competed for Massachusetts. And if you know anything about New Hampshire, Massachusetts, it's sort of like Michigan and Ohio. And she was really cool and she was really funny and it was kind of a crazy story. So I just really enjoyed doing a story about how Mrs. Massachusetts came from New Hampshire and was trying to become uh, Mrs. America. And um, it was, uh, that was a really fun story. And, um, and I like doing stories like that too. And I, I really like stories where we've helped people, you know, we've, We've helped people who are in tough situations. We've helped people who are being discriminated against. And I think any story that that has a lot of humanity in it um, and that can make somebody's life better is, uh, you know, th- those are the stories we should all be working on and the stories we should all be telling. ML Elric, before we let you go here in It's Your Community, what else would you like to share with our listeners? Well, please check out my podcast. It's ML Soul of Detroit. Uh, let me know what you think. It, we, we do a lot of feedback on the show. And I hope you'll think about donating to support Clark Park. Uh, no amounts too big, obviously, and no amounts too small. That's what people miss. If you can only spare five bucks, the kids of Detroit will put it to good use. Uh, you can support us at patronicity.com. Just search for Clark Park. And uh, maybe next year I'll see you out there at Clark Park for the Winter Carnival and our charity hockey games. Thank you, ML, for being here. And we wish you the best of luck in the next chapter in your life. Well, thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for all the great work you do. And thanks for providing an opportunity to talk a little bit about something you and I both love so much and just, you know, trying to help people. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you have any questions or comments or topics you want me to get to, you can get to me, Vanessa Denha. You go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching. You can email me there or find me on any of the social media platforms I'm on, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and private message me there. And as always, we remind our listeners to connect communicate and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for listening. It's your community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.